evening, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready for some laughs? Are you? Everyone, it's Angry Depression Hour. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost. How the fuck am I funny? And Dave Martin. What have we got here? A fucking comedian. Can you dig it? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Big Bad Show for the week of June. Uh, it's June uh, uh, 13th? 8th? Yes. 9th? 9th. It is 9th. Okay, all is right. It? I don't I, know. It is no, uh, it's not. It's not. Uh, it's like the, the 13th or something. No, it's it's, uh, uh, it's the week of uh, June 11th. June 11th. June 11th. Do you want to do that over again? No, okay, no. Okay, it's we're a good way. Okay, this is right. good. We're doing that this. That shows you how prepared we are. For the week of June 11th. For the week of June 11th, we are here. We are here on the Big Bad Show. This is Anything Goes. This week on the show, we interview uh, Allison Door, and we also have an interview that Kathleen McGee, former host of the show, did with Dave Foley in Edmonton, Alberta on his uh, run of dates he did there last month. So we'll be playing that. And she got to talk to Dave Foley. Now, you've heard of Dave, right? Yeah, I've, I've heard the interview. And then we're actually, there's a 10-minute, the interview wraps up really well. And then it kind of goes on for a little bit longer. And then there's a good solid 10-minute chunk where Kathleen and Dave talk uh, awkwardly about uh, threesomes. Right. Now, it wasn't awkward b- between the two of them. It was, sure. it was kind of awkward for me to listen to, and I punched <laughs> drywall when listening to it. <laughs> you were with no one before. Anyways, um, I uh, I had a, a good weekend. You had this weekend off. You hosted for Dom I just, Prey. I just hosted for Dom Prey, who did a great job and killed all weekend at the downtown, which Otto- was great. Ottawa native Dom Prey. Yep. Uh, I did a show on Saturday, which made me... Uh, thank the comedy gods above that I don't look forward to just open mic shows. Right. Which I find them, it's 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 difficult to get excited about comedy when, when you're constantly worried about, is there a crowd? What sure. Kind of how, what kind of sort of shape are they going to be? I'm always in a bar. Yep. And uh, you don't realize how much you love actually going to a club or a venue that people are showing up to for comedy. Yeah, not chicken wings or drink specials. And- yeah. You know, I get a lot of emails from people saying, hey, will you headline my open mic? And I say no every time. I say that uh, I'll do a spot for eight minutes. That way I can work on material. But I don't want to close out some show when there's probably only going to be 12 people in the audience, you know, and 20 comics. I'll do a spot, work on my material, and that's it. Well, when people don't pay for a show, they don't feel any sort of investment into right. it. And in an open mic, people feel like they can get up, and they can get up sure. at, at any point and leave whenever yes. they want to. And I always, when it's an open mic, I always, I don't like the word headline you know what you're yes, on I mean, last I agree. right yeah you know you're on last big fucking it's not you're not headlining yeah sorry just yep. wake up exactly let's get rid of that word uh this <laughs> well, the, week uh we got nominated for a canadian comedy award oh and i can't wait for my parents not to give a shit about that that's right oh, my that's God. right my parents are already there no did, did you did you was it now is the comedy award a big deal to you no now, okay, now no. we can address that. Yes, yes. But now you've been a part of the Comedy Network Committee, not Comedy Award co- uh, Committee, committee before. in the past. In the past, right. what, in the past, what had happened is I am I was very against the Canadian Comedy Awards, and my, my motto always was, I think their, their heart's in the right place, but poor execution. Right. And for many years, I disagreed with a lot of their choices and their nom- nomination process. So then, actually, I, I talked to the person who ran it, and I was on the committee for six months to try to clean it up and make it more, uh, have more integrity. And uh, I ended up quitting because I just felt they were not doing a good job. Did quitting get you anything? No. 
Now, did it give you peace of mind at all? No. You no. still you left there knowing that fucked up shit is going to still yes, be happening. Yes, yes, okay. and and bad decisions will be made. And like I said, they're not all they're not malicious intent. So it's hard to get too angry about it. I think, like I said, it's just you know no one gets paid there. I'm not saying paying someone's going to change their mind, but you know how dedicated can you be to something if you're not getting any kind of remuneration for it? You have to truly believe in the art form of comedy to only do it for free. Well, you weren't getting paid, and you felt it was a fucked up system yes. you were working within. Right? Yes. Yes. So that's the thing. It's not so much that you weren't getting paid. It's just you were working in a fucked up system yes. trying to, like, you know, hold water in a sieve or something. Yeah, yeah. Just is not going to fucking happen. And I just, you know, I don't like the idea you have to nominate yourself. And yeah, I don't and like the pay. idea. And pay to be nominated for a Canadian Comedy Award. And, and I know that other awards uh, have that. That's a pretty standard procedure about paying for your own nomination. But I just think it's it's a bad way to do it. But, you know, it's a difference of opinion. Other comics like it because it's a party. The whole weekend's a party. It's a fun time. And I didn't get into comedy for the party of it. So well, Sadly, I did. I know. And my career's a reflection of that. Uh, but I don't want to. I don't yeah. also don't want to say that I'm not happy for you know you or Kathleen or Rebecca or Christina or even XM who you know put a lot of work into this and just because we have a difference of opinion on the Canadian Comedy Awards I'm not going to be an asshole about it. That's just my opinion and this show is my opinion and we get it out there. Oh, thank God! And I was almost going to quit four weeks ago. The show. <laughs> That's here. right. Yeah. So uh, well, <laughs> that would have been a, even a better acceptance. I know speech. that would have been like, and then Dave Martin is still sitting in the audience somewhere. Or yeah, is not going to get his fucking award. But That's you right. want you do want to win, correct? I only want to win for the acceptance speech because I think I would make a great acceptance speech. because yeah. it ain't going to be ass kissy. Well, though, then that and and we will begin to start an online campaign or sure. a campaign through this show for us, and uh, we'll find out how you, the listener at home, can vote. Whether you listen to us uh, beautifully on XM or you are a fabulous person that downloads every episode and listen to us on iTunes. We're going to figure out how you, yeah. the listener, can vote and how you can get us to get up in front of the entire comedy community of uh, Ontario, Toronto, Canada, whoever the fuck we're in front of. That's right. And we will rip them a, uh, a new uh, asshole. New asshole and acceptance speech. <laughs> yeah. That's right. And, uh, yeah, uh, cradled inside a, an acceptance speech that is uh, soaked in uh, uh, bitterness and tears. We will... And, uh, and chloroform. And, and chloroform. We will, uh, we will knock out a, uh, an acceptance speech that will uh, be one for the airways. And we're going to teach you on how to probably cheat the system and get and vote more than once so you can get high on bath salts instead of bite someone's face off. You can just keep uh, putting our name in time and time and time again. Now, 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 Darren, now we are going to talk about bath salts. And, Darren, you are not a drug user. That's right. And you do embrace the drug, the non-drug user. Yep. I am a drug user. That's right. I do support uh, drugs, mostly hallucinogens and things like that. Uh, and the, no, wait, wait. Uh, and I the support drugs. I support drugs. I just don't do them. You just don't do them. Right. right. I, I like I said, you were not anti-drug, right? That's right, yeah, that's okay. right. Uh, but you were uh, fascinated, and you... Yeah, this whole bath salt thing is crazy. You, you actually warned me about the picture of the dude that got his face eaten off yes. by bath salts, and I thought, I, I, it's barely a face. No, I know. So, you know, a little bit of makeup, and he'll be fine. Some sunglasses <laughs> or something. But his face <laughs> his face looks like a strawberry rhubarb pie that someone smashed into on that's the ground right. and threw some squirrel yeah. chunks in it that looked like his beard. Yeah, and, and unless he's like a big Nash the Slash fan, yeah. that's the only way he's going to be go outside. It's like, it's crazy how many bandages he's got to wrap around that fucking head of his. I don't think he's worried about, oh, am I ever going to go outside again? Well, or, I don't know. No. You might have to start looking into prostitutes because, man, that face, I'm telling you. I don't think, when you're homeless, I don't think the first thing on your mind is how am I going to get laid today. But <laughs> You might be right. Might be, but, you know, I'm sure he's right. got some other worries now about, yeah. uh, uh, you know, how his passport photo is going to look and just 
Is this really you? My face is healing. But um, I got a big homeless convention to go to in yeah. Amsterdam. I yeah. got a I got a speech to uh, that's to right. give the other uh, other homeless homies. I have. Uh, you know, I didn't I didn't pack that box myself. That's right. That's the one I stand on. Yeah, that's, that's right. And that's my face in the other box. <laughs> I have numerous faces. Hey, you can put on masks now. You can't even say that's right. That you got to take off your mask. Yeah. Or you're going to be on this plane. Listen, do you really want to see my face? Yeah, could be like that all the time. That's right. Dude, well, put your Richard Nixon mask on as fast as you can. Yeah, but his, uh, his nickname's going to be Mister Potato Head on the street. Right. Yeah, he could just have eyes that That's he just right. shoves into just his shoves uh, it into the hole. That's or, it. Or I would just get an entire face of Velcro, the furry side. Good one. And then I would just have a- eyes that I could just yep. snap on them. Not snap on, just place on my face some googly eyes. Right. Maybe can the guy still see? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I think uh, if you see the damage, I don't think he wants to see anything. No, ever I think again. any any reflective surface is yeah. going to be taken down from his house immediately. <laughs> He's not. That's going to be how he gets off coke. He can't do anything off a mirror anymore. Oh man, I'm telling you, if they still have that Swan show where they take people and they fix them up. He's he's candidate number one for the male swan. Well, no, because we're going to be talking about the National Post article that was written about uh, comedians and their downplaying and uh, uh, upselling their looks and stuff. Sure. I, I, I'm surprised that when that show, The Swan, came out, there was no you know group of men that ever said, hey, why don't you make a show like that for dudes? I know. because uh, You know why? Because it's not socially acceptable for men to probably have plastic surgery the same way that women do. It's getting to be, but also now, I think that uh, because women are foolish enough to see the person on the inside and that's why they don't they don't i'll just see i'll see him for the guy that he is on the inside but one (laughs) thing is that one thing i don't know now is the The thing about the guy with no face you can see right inside him now yeah so there is no i wonder you can see the ugly person inside not the homeless heart of gold that he has uh, now, is, is face eating, that is that comes off with every... I don't know. Obviously not. There's a lot of people that do bath salts, but in the news the last two weeks, it's like another guy's got his face bitten off. My thing is, I would date a girl addicted to bath salts just in the beginning. That way you know when she goes downstairs, she's going to do a good job. But then when she gets like bath salt three or four, you fucking better stop. Because I... you, if you want to have a cock left at the end, you better stop. What if someone was just a recreational bath salt user and just like, yes. I just like to get fucked up on the weekends and right. eat a dude's face? Yeah, but I don't think it. I don't think everyone does. Now, what lesbians should eat bath salts? That's who should be doing bath salts. Then when they go downstairs, they'll do a good job on each other. That's what they should be doing. But they're, yeah, they're not yeah. literally eating out. They're, they're eating. No, they're eating they'll, they'll, now. They'll be eating out. Yeah. But um, one thing that what worries me the most about bath salts is everyone. Uh, is naked when they get shot down in a hail of bullets. <laughs> yeah. I do not. If you are gonna, sh- if you, if I'm gonna go down in a hail of bullets, the last bullet that I want there to be a big bazooka near my crotch. I don't want. <laughs> I want legs to go. Just put it in a number of different body bags. I just don't want to go. I don't want to be on a slab with. I just. I'm probably not gonna be at my most manliest after I die. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I want to be a well hung corpse. Any drug that makes makes you take all your clothes off, run in the street, and bite someone's face off. I don't know. You don't know what. I don't know if that's really. Is there going to be a commercial for that? This is your brain on bath salts. I don't know if. <laughs> is this really going to catch on? It should be. This is your face on bath salts. Yeah. yeah is this this, is, this is your best friend's face on bath yeah, salts. That's right. All we can do is Big heat it up and cook on. a fucking egg on it. That's all his face is they good should for. Just, now. They just. They just. It makes sure you have a full stomach, like when you're before oh. you do acid or shrooms. Jeez. But that's for gut rot. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, uh, Kathleen McGee will be interviewing Dave Foley. And then after that break, we will stop in and talk to Allison Dore. Dave Foley. Allison Dore. Kids in the Hole. That's right. Check it out. Good times. Get away from my face. Still waiting for the bestiality videos to get their own category at the Adult Video Awards. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. 
Hey, this is stand-up comedian Pete Zedlacker, and you are listening to Laugh Attack on Sirius XM Radio. Listen! Just rolling out of the gutter? No way. Us too. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. Hi, everybody. Guess who's back? It's, uh, it's Kathleen, and uh, I know I've been away for a while. I'm not really back in Toronto with Dave and Darren. I'm actually in beautiful Edmonton, Alberta, at the Edmonton Yuck Yucks with the amazing, talented, and legendary Dave Foley. Do you like being called legendary? Some people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some people oh, yeah, don't yeah. like that. You know what? I, I, I can accept it because it's wholly appropriate. It's totally, yeah. you are a legend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're a total, I mean, I know that I grew up watching your show and I would go to school the next day and we would redo the chicken lady we would redo all of them over and over again and uh so i don't know this isn't even a question i'm just gushing because all right well i had to gush a little bit again wholly appropriate <laughs> <laughs> but you're not you're not doing kids the hall anymore obviously you're doing stand-up now you've gotten into stand-up but you started in stand-up i did i started in stand-up when i was uh in high school when i was 17 i started doing stand-up at yuck yucks in toronto yeah, at yeah the... it's like it did went down started doing open mics at the uh the bay street club which doesn't exist anymore no in bay in yorkville uh which used to be the only yuck yucks can you remember any of the stand-ups that were, you know, sort of guys that you looked up to when you those started? Days, there, was, there was like, who all was there? It was like Ron Vaudry was there, uh, and um, Sean, uh, uh, Sean, I'm blanking on everyone's <laughs> name. Now uh, you're not going to remember. Yeah, you have to edit this out where I blank on everyone's names. Edit this whole question out. <laughs> edit this whole question. Because I'm terrible with names. Uh, duh. Well, I, but I mean My like... Blurred, the, uh, Bruce. Kenny? Was Kenny around? Kenny, Rob- Kenny Robinson? He was around, yeah. Uh, we won't we won't torture you anymore to try right. to remember. But it, the Canadian comedy scene. I can't remember Sean's last name. Colin? No, no, no. Both Sean was around in those days, but he wasn't doing yuck yucks. Yeah. He was doing like corking the juice pig stuff in the bars. So what made you decide to go? You were done with the stand up. You wanted to move into a little bit more of the sketch. And uh, it was just I met Kevin McDonald. Uh, I I was doing stand up for a little while and I took Second City workshops because I thought it would help with the stand-up, and I uh, met Kevin McDonald in my first class, and he asked me to join his improv team. What was that team? Uh, that was the team that became the original Kids in the Hall. It was okay. uh, Kevin and Luch Kazmiri and myself. I love Luch. Everyone loves Luch. Luch is lovable. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we were the original three Kids in the Hall. And, um, and then uh, once I started working with those two guys, I kind of thought, this is more fun than stand-up. And uh, and quit doing it. So you're more of a group person than a than a solitary person. Yeah, it just it just felt like more fun, and it seemed like a more natural way for me to be funny, which was you know in terms of uh, like reacting off other people and, and doing dialogue. Yeah, exactly. And now yeah. and now you're back at stand up. And how long have you been officially doing stand up for? Uh, just a, just a little over a year. Started in like uh, started started putting material together in like a, a year ago, January, in L.A., just doing, like, sets around, mostly around downtown L.A. and stuff at Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, once I had enough material together. And then, uh, I guess by March, by March, I was out on the road. I had about 45 minutes That's amazing. together by March. Yeah. <laughs> well, you do have a background in comedy, so, like, I, yeah. you know, like, a, <laughs> it's not like you don't know what you're doing, but it is, it's, how, how is it different? How is it different for you? I, well, it's it's very yeah. You know, it's well, it's very. I mean, the skill the skills for, 
for stand up are, are really are I mean being able to time a joke obviously is you know universal to stand up and, and sketch but um, but yeah definitely uh, carry on the fake conversation with the audience which is how I sort of see stand up it's like a fake conversation where you act like you're talking to people and, but you don't want them to answer you well, know yeah and what do you do when they do answer um, how, or how are your uh, skills? My with the, oh, the uh, what are they? What are they it's not they, even heckling, but just like what are they, crowd work. Crowd work. They call yeah, it, I believe, in the, in the stand-up business. <laughs> they call it crowd work. Um, like crowd work's all right. You know, it's all right. You know, I'm not like one of those comics who can come out and do like 20 minutes of just crowd work. Just to, hey, where are you from? How's it going? And do 20 minutes like that. Although I haven't tried. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know, maybe I could. I don't know. But I, I, what's your best show so far that you've done? As a stand-up comedian, best show? I yeah. don't know. That was uh, fun. There, Vincent, Indiana was awfully fun, uh, and um, oddly enough, Salt Lake City wound up being maybe just because I didn't ex- I expected it to be horrible. I think a lot of people think because Salt Lake City is full of Mormons yeah. and stuff that you're like, oh, these people are going to be boring. And uh, you know, what type of material do you do? Because I have we're working together this weekend, but we haven't yeah. done any shows it's yet. It's very well. A lot of it's. A lot of it's very sexual. A lot of it's about. Oh my God, we're gonna get along so politics well. Politics <laughs> and, and religion. And, well, I'm not so uh, much politics and religion. I'm just yeah. filth. But <laughs> I did like I did like a ten minute uh, chunk on all on being an atheist and did it the first night I tried it was in Salt Lake City. Oh my God, How did, and, and uh, that went over. Went over great. Yeah, I was making fun of Mormonism and 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 Catholicism and basically and faith in general. Yeah. And uh, they loved it. You know. So it was like that's it was a surprise, you know. Well, one of the things that I like love about being a stand-up comedian is that it, it's me, it's my ideas. I don't have to, you know, rely on anyone else. And if I fail, I fail. And if I succeed, I succeed. Yeah. And I guess you have to be a little bit of an egomaniac to be a comedian. Yeah. So, why, you know, because you you worked with a group for so long. How is the dynamic of working with a group different from just being Dave Foley on stage? Um. I know it's uh, it's hard to say. I mean, because I, I I guess the main thing is is not. I would say it's not as much. The traveling definitely isn't as much fun. You, you don't know? like. See, I do you like doing stuff by yourself? Uh, not really. No, you're no. not a solitary person. No, I mean, like, I, I'm. I like like sitting in my room alone. That's fun. <laughs> I love that. But uh, you know. But you don't like going to movies. You don't like discovering cities by yourself. Not really. I'll go out to movies on my own, but yeah, but I don't, no. I'll I used be, like, to exploring cities on my own. I used to be scared to do that, and then I got into comedy, and a lot of the time you are alone, so yeah. you kind of had to. And now I'm into it. I love going and doing stuff. Maybe it's just because I'm sick of people now. I don't know. <laughs> well, I know I, when I'm. Yeah, I usually just. It's basically. I sleep until showtime. That's mostly how my <laughs> days are spent. That, you are, yeah, a real stand-up. That's what yeah. basically. <laughs> so what if the show's at eight? I sleep till you know six, <laughs> if I can. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just about having 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 as much of the experience not uh, not register in my memory yeah. as possible. And you've been touring a lot too, so you yeah. you are getting the the road legs um, of a stand-up comedian because that's one of the biggest things is being a road dog for a while and. And mm-hmm. being in different cities every single weekend, are you enjoying it? Are you hating it? Uh, yeah, I, I like it at times, sort of off and on. I think after, I think it depends how many weeks I've been out. If I've been out for a, 
a few weeks in a row, I, I just start to hate the sound of my own voice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and hate every joke I'm telling by, by about, you know, two or three weeks in. Yeah. Are you at that point where there's material you're just like, I just don't want to do this, but I have to. It's because I need the time. Uh, I've gotten to that point, and then I've, then I've been home long enough that I can go can, out and bear doing it again. Yeah, you can and do there's, it. And there's definitely a bunch of stuff that I, I dropped from the set. You know, That's awesome. And replaced with other stuff. <laughs> and how do you, like, how do you write... Like, for example, I don't write out my jokes. I write down a premise, and then it's in my head. That's pretty much it. If yeah. My, yeah, like, I've got everything in point, like, just point form. Yeah. On, like, I, like one page kind of covers the whole set. I find if you write out all your jokes, you sound so rehearsed and so... Yeah. One-man show sort of... Because stand-up comedy is not a one-man show to me. No. That's in my no. opinion. Yeah. It's, it is, like you said, a conversation with yeah. the audience. And the best stand-up comics can make it look... Yeah. Like it's... It, I feel like you're just talking to people. Exactly. Right yeah. off the top of your head. Exactly. Which is why it's an inherently dishonest form. <laughs> <laughs> but it is pretty fun. It is. If you can compare what you've done so far with stand-up and what you've done in the past, what, where is stand-up in your career? Like, likeability? Like, likeability? Like, and how much I like it? Yeah, and how much you like to do it. Um, Versus your movies and the kids in the hall and crossover um, work. I'd say just from the point of view of, of being able to get up and just be funny and enjoy being funny, uh, you know, it's it's I, I like it a fair bit. And is it the real Dave Foley on stage? Because there's comics that will be totally raw and totally out there, and then there's comics that are a little bit of a bigger character of themselves. But... Well, that's that's not an option for me <laughs> coming into stand up. Like, I can't. People really, know who you are. Yeah, it's like I can't suddenly have my Bobcat Goldthwait character. Yeah, you know persona. <laughs> You know, you could try it tonight though. They might, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, I could just try do some experimentation yeah. stuff in Edmonton. But if I came out and tried, tried to do a, a comedic character, yeah, for the whole night, you know, it would pretty immediately be uncomfortable, yeah, probably. You know, <laughs> and as I said, when I was starting this, the other thing I realized is that it's almost necessary that I write about myself, yes, because every you know, people coming know a lot about me, yeah. So, you know, if I don't, they'll, you know, if I just come up and if I just get up there, you know, and use a bad example talk about you know tv commercials i don't like yeah then people are gonna go really <laughs> you know? tell us more so. about you is that an advantage to you or a disadvantage that you're dave foley and you already people know who you are because there's comics like um dustin diamond right the guy who was screech mm -hmm. and a lot of comics or a lot of people don't find him that funny but yeah uh, but he has this persona that people loved as a child so you have a lot of people that are going to be coming out to see you because they love kids in the hall and yeah. all of the stuff that you've done so do you think that helps you or do you think it makes it a little harder for you well i think the, pe the fact that people know me and that the, for the most part people respect the stuff that i did for the kids in the hall and you know news radio i think is an, definitely an advantage yeah you know uh, and for example, I you know I didn't have to earn earn my way in stand in stand up you know yeah I didn't have you know I got to start out as a you know as a headliner that's yeah that's you know? an amazing thing. so that's that an advantage happen. you know yeah, you know uh, you know I didn't have to you know drive around in a in a, a rickety car with four other smelly comics <laughs> but that's kind of fun sometimes yeah like well, well I guess I did do that you did when that I was probably, younger but yeah. it's just it was with the same four other guys yeah <laughs> always the same people always this all yeah around. we drove you know but yeah early kids and all we did drive around in a van and you know yeah. and uh you know I did do second city turn company and all that but uh that's awesome when did when you started who um kind of helped you get into the whole scene in LA 
In L.A.? Well, uh, I can't, because well, I went down there to do uh, uh, news radio. Yeah. So that's but a I mean, good like way to go But I mean, like, the stand-up scene. Oh, the like, stand-up scene? You, like, oh, the stand-up yeah, scene. Yeah, which oh. comics helped you kind of get into it? And... Uh, the only, I, well, I called up uh, Paul F. Tompkins mm-hmm. when I was thinking about doing stand-up and talked to him about it and, and just, you know, talked to him about how, like, how he approaches, like, coming up with material and... And that was uh, so. That was that was a good conversation. He's an amazing guy. Yeah, <laughs> Paul's amazing. Yeah. If every single new stand-up comedian could have Paul F. Tompkins as yeah. a mentor, yeah. Like, yeah. that's amazing. That's another advantage. Yeah, it does help. Yeah, well, I've been friends with Paul since he yeah. first moved to L.A. Yeah, and he was a starting comic, you know. Yeah, and we got to watch him sort of really develop over yeah. the years. But we've been friends. Yeah, Paul and I've been friends for I don't know, like fifteen years. I guess. And you're down in L.A. and you love L.A. Do you miss yeah. Canada at all? Um, well, I've, I've, uh, no, I haven't really missed Canada. Be I'm, honest, because I, I feel the same way. Because I've I, been, I mean, I used to not miss it because I, because I used to come back all the time. Yeah. Uh, I haven't missed it this last year and a half because I've been afraid of going to jail. I know. <laughs> I don't know? want to bring it up. To, I don't want to be. Yeah. But no, but that, that makes that, you not miss a country when, 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 when your, you, your home country is. But I did see what a jail cell looks like. you in jail for. Uh, being broke. I did see what a jail cell looks yeah. like when I was in Kingston, and they actually they have cable television. Mm-hmm. They have a very comfortable looking bed. Uh huh. It's better than what most comedians live in right now. I still don't see it as a <laughs> as a preference. A, a preference. It's not. Yeah. Is that all sort of? Is it? Is it all resolved now? No, or not at all. You're still. Not so, at but, all. The only thing is my my ex wife. Uh, she started the she. Uh, had the enforcement taken up by the Los Angeles Superior Court. Okay. And then the Los Angeles Superior Court said, well, as long as it's being enforced in the United States, they can't enforce in Ontario. So that meant I could now come back to Canada and try to earn money. That's, per- Cause, that's perfect. Because I was perfect. losing, you know, I was missing out on about 50% of my income because yeah. I couldn't come to Canada. Yeah. You know, for fear of going to jail for not coming up with $17,700 a month. Yeah. That's, you know. It's a crazy, that's a crazy story. Yeah. It makes you, uh... That's why I'm very fear of commitment. <laughs> yeah. Relationships are scary. Just don't marry a woman. I won't marry a woman yeah. or a feminine man. Yeah. You don't yeah. want to marry a feminine man. Uh. So it'll take you for. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's insane. I have some questions from Dave Martin. He is another. Uh, I know Dave Martin. You know Dave Martin. I know and dislike him. <laughs> we all hate so Dave. So there. You know what's funny is we all hate Dave on the show. And mm-hmm. uh, we only have him on because we feel sorry for him. I understand. Yeah, that's understand. why. Sometimes hatred can breed a certain amount of pity. Yeah, exactly. Well, he talks about the. He goes other than all the divorce bullshit. How does being Canadian mean uh, mean to you? Is it a nice place, or like, do you feel Canadian still, or do you feel? Yeah, I definitely feel Canadian. Although, like, Los Angeles is my home. Yeah. Like, there's no way around. I like, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, when the plane is coming into. You know, LAX, I get that rush of, oh, I'm home, home. you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, which I don't get when I fly into Toronto anymore. No. No, but flying to Toronto, I go, oh, this city is full of nothing but shit for me, you know? Uh, it's true. What do you feel about Canadian television? Because CBC, in my in my opinion, it's, it's a little weak. Like, there's no show like The Kids in the Hall anymore that pushed boundaries, that was that was really, really edgy. It, CBC just doesn't do that anymore. 
Yeah. Yeah, the well, I guess there hasn't been a, like well I, well who was I isn't there a new show I haven't seen it. Picnic, Picnic Face. Face. Is Picnic Face isn't on C B C it's on the Comedy Network. On so the it's Comedy a, Network. It's oh, a cable. Okay. The Comedy Network has more boundary pushing shows yeah. and thing and more stuff and, and guess, yeah. it is it's a great show. It's a yeah. great show. And C T V was doing more in terms of like sitcom kind of yeah. shows. But do you feel like Canada is ever going to get to the level of the UK with BBC programming or America with like shows like Sunny Philadelphia and things like that. Um, Do you think Canada will ever catch on to that, or we're just all going to have to? It's possible because definitely, I mean, definitely production costs uh, have with new technology have dropped mm-hmm. like you know like tenfold. Yeah, you can you can make a good looking show for very little money now. Yeah, which you couldn't do ten years ago. You know, you had to have you know. You had to have a half million dollar camera yeah. to make a decent show, you know, and then all all this huge crew and you know and lighting it. But now you can you can make a decent show in a good digital camera uh, for no, almost no money. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, like, Sunny Philadelphia was started out as as a web nothing. series. Yeah. yeah. And um, so it's more. It's really it's just about the ideas. I mean, getting people to in the uh, you know the executive class to uh, okay things is I'm sure still really hard. Well, when you were doing your show, because there were things on that show that I can't even believe CBC ever put on, just because of the way they were. Were you the whole? Were you guys the whole time like I can't believe we're fucking getting away with this? Uh, we were. Did you yeah, have a lot of, of? We didn't. We uh, we had we had we had two big advantages. We had one was we had Lauren Michaels as our executive producer, yeah. right? And also that we had an HBO deal before we had a CBC deal. Okay. But then we also had Yvonne Fassam running the uh, CBC at the time who was a fan of the Kids in the Hall mm-hmm. and, in fact, recommended us originally to Lauren for Saturday Night Live back when Yvonne was working at NBC. Yeah. Uh, so we had the head of the network liked us and uh, kind of c- sort of cut a lot of slack for us and kept a lot of people away from us. Yeah. And you, we had Lauren Michaels, who was like a huge, you know, you know, it had a lot of power. Yeah. You know, so it was like everyone was excited that Lauren was doing Canadian TV, so they didn't really care about they who didn't we care. were. <laughs> you know, but we I do know that the, apparently the uh, complaints department at CBC. Uh, I'd love to be there. <laughs> I've run into some of the. I've, we ran into some of the some women. Uh, seemed to be all women that worked in the uh, the complaints department <laughs> at CBC. We'd run into them on the elevators sometimes when we were going in for wardrobe fittings. And uh, it would be like the day after a show had aired with something particularly awful in it. And they would just be staring at us and fuming. And they'd just be going, fuck you guys. Fuck you guys. I think that would be entertaining to listen to all those people call in just go, I really didn't appreciate how that chicken was masturbating on the horse. Yeah. Like, or something like that. Well, that's what we wrote. There was, I mean, there was that. There was that. There was one point when it came up in the House of Commons. Somebody in the House of Commons, I forget, I don't know who now, but... Uh, got up and complained about taxpayers' money being spent on this horrible show. <laughs> and so then we wrote a sketch, uh, McKinney wrote a sketch called uh, Screw You Taxpayer, uh, which we did. We did as, soon, as soon as we heard about that, we wrote a sketch called Screw You Taxpayer. We wrote the most offensive, racist, sexist sketch we could. <laughs> and, uh, and, then, and then Mark came out and listed how much everything in the sketch cost. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Did you guys have a lot of creative control on that show? Uh, complete. Did yeah. you? Yeah. Every, I mean, every decision went through the five of us. You know, the five of us basically uh, had to sign off on everything that happened in the show. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, we had great producers and directors that worked with us, but, uh, but the five of us, you know, we signed off on, well, on hiring everybody and every creative decision. Yeah. Yeah. 
And you talked about uh, Saturday Night Live, and I know you know Mark McKinney did it for a little while. Did yeah. you ever write or anything on it, or no. did you ever, was that ever a goal for you? Uh, well, early on, when Mark and Bruce went down there to, to write on the show, I would have happily been one of the guys yeah. that got hired. Uh, I actually went down and wrote with them for a week once. Um, but uh, by the time the Kids in the Hall was done, that was certainly not an ambition anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was the thought of going. I, you know, Mark. I understand why Mark wanted to do it, but I, I thought, oh God, I would, I would hate that. Yeah. To, to go down and be, you know, into that, that, that environment and, and be trying to come up with three. Well, I was going to say three minute sketches. It seems like not that hell. they do that on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. <laughs> But it does seem like hell, like all the books I've read about it and everything, it's just like, it seems yeah. like hell, but also an amazing experience, I guess. Yeah. I, to me, it's just, I've been writing sketches, sketches since I was, you know, 20 years old. Yeah. You're uh, tired of your... <laughs> You know, so I'm 30, you know, 32. I'm thinking, I don't want to write any more sketches. Yeah, exactly. Not for a while, anyway. <laughs> and you guys did your uh, a reunion show. Are you going to do another one? Uh, I hope so. We were going to try and go out this year. We try to do it every few years. Yeah. Like live uh, or do you want to like... a live? We try to do a live tour every Yeah. I mean, we've done them on average like every four or five years. I, I saw you in Edmonton at the Agricom when you were here. Yeah. And it was amazing. Oh, good. Is that the 2008 tour? Probably. That was the last one. Yeah, it would have been the yeah. last one. Which oh. was a lot of new sketches in that one. Oh, it was so good. So I was ready to write new sketches then. <laughs> you were ready to, to <laughs> yeah. do some new stuff. Yeah. But are you going to do another, I'm like, Death Comes to Town, are you going to do another? Uh, I'd like to. I'd like to do another like mini-series. Like, yeah. Uh, I think if we did it, it would be like a, a completely different theme and setting. Yeah. Uh, but another eight-part mini-series would be great. Yeah. You know, I like. I think for us... I think that's a good format for us because we know that we know that it ends. Yeah. So we don't get too claustrophobic. Yeah. You know, being with each other again. I'm sure it can get like a little. You know, you're back with people and you worked with them for so long. You probably. How are your relationships with everyone? Well, it's the thing. You love the ease of communication. Mm -hmm. uh, but then there's also you. It's also all the old tensions and arguments are always still there under the surface. Yeah, you exactly. Know? And all the personality conflicts are all still there. It's not as violent as it used to be, but. It, violent? You know, oh, yeah, yeah. Who punched who? Well, mostly Scott would beat up furniture. Yeah, he was. Mostly. He, he did say that when we had him yeah. on the show before. He likes to. Yeah. Throw stuff and he, punch people. Yeah, he knocked a lot of holes in walls and beat up. He beat up our, our assistant Rachel's desk one day. Yeah, exactly. You know, which didn't seem appropriate. <laughs> the desk, the desk didn't do anything to him. Yeah, that's yeah. that's all right. That's all right. He is like a very interesting person. He's like one of my favorite people that I met in Toronto. Yeah, he's very angry. Every every few years, he'll have an epiphany where he realizes that he's got to change. Yeah. Uh, and it's all different. I'm just I can't live with all that anger anymore. I've realized I'm a rageaholic, and that'll last. That'll last a couple of months, and then he'll be raging again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How do you? Because like the internet is. I think the internet has completely changed comedy. Like as far as people yes. being able to access it. How do you think it's changed? You know, is it gotten? Is it better for new sketch troops to use it, or has it made it worse? Because now everybody can put it on, and well, anyone can. Yeah, shoot a sketch and put it on YouTube. Yeah, and it can be horrible, but it'll yeah. get a bunch of views. Yeah, I think in some ways it's maybe, I mean, a lot of, um, to have access to an audience is a great thing. And yeah. to have, and I think a democratizing thing. Yeah. But um, but I think in some ways, uh, starting up now, like if the Kids in the Hall were starting up now, we would have, we probably wouldn't have done the Rivoli shows for four years, yeah. which we did. I mean, yeah. we, you know, we wrote a new show every week for four years. Yeah. And the, the training we got from that and that, 
the sense memory you have from being in front of an audience every week doing new material for four years. There's no, you know. there's nothing that will ever make you better other than being in front and doing it. Yeah, because in my head when I'm writing, yeah. I have that sense of all of those audiences that I've been in front of for all those years. Yeah. And if you don't have that, um, you know, I don't know. I, I think that's in a lot of ways that's a, a loss not to have that in your head. I yeah. think even as, as a writer, I think I, I'm a better writer because of all the time I've spent in front of an audience. Yeah, I can I can hear, I can I can predict an audience's response. Yeah, do you a lot utilize the internet a lot? Like we were talking about last night, Twitter and Facebook, and you said you need to tweet more, David. It's Dave S Foley. Yeah, Dave S Foley. I know I was going to tweet about these shows more, but then I thought, well, I don't really want to. I'm. I know I'm. That I'm supposedly allowed to be here. Oh. But I don't know how much attention I want to draw to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want to get arrested in the middle of the show. That would be memorable. Yeah, particularly for me. It would be traumatizing, even. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you'll go to jail. You're too sweet to go to jail. I'm You're too sweet delicate. to be cavity searched. You're sweet That's and delicate. You would. You don't. Put this man in jail, Ken. No. He is too sweet and delicate to go to jail. It's true. It's very true. I'm, I'm a princess. You're a princess. So what was your... Okay, we talked about your best show. What was your worst comedy show so far? Your uh, show? Oh, the first one. Uh, the first one? Yeah. Where you had to do was the very, the very first show. Huh? You had to do 45 minutes? It was... Uh, yeah, well, the first, yeah, the first road show I did. Yeah. was um, in St. Louis. And... Uh, and it was a book. I think they had most of their shows had been booked months in ahead, and I got booked late. So people weren't. I don't think most people were coming there to see me. They were just coming to see comedy. Yeah. And uh, and I did some material that was a little, I guess, uh, even now people consider some of the stuff I'm doing a little controversial. Yeah. Um, and I had two thirds of the audience walk out in my first. In, it wasn't like the actual first, exactly the first show. I think it was like the second show. I think it was maybe, maybe it was the uh, Friday late show or the Thursday late show. Did that upset you or were you proud show? of that? Oh, no, it was depressing. Really? Yeah, it was really depressing. <laughs> Sometimes love walking people makes them feel like, oh, eh. no. I See, I've, had, I've been walking people for, you know, 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, it's not like it's not exciting for me to be shocking. That's you know? weird, though, that people would be, because you, you're not... You're not like Bob Saget. You weren't on Full House. You weren't on America's Funniest Videos, and you're not up. Suddenly, now you're up there saying cunt and cock. You're, yeah. You were on an edgy show. Saying cunt and cock for years. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's not anything new, so that's weird. No, I mean, it's just this audience, I think they just, maybe they, they didn't really know who I was. Maybe they were like the Bugs Life it. fans I more. Hope, I actually <laughs> talk about that, and that's why I start the show. It's good to be bringing that up. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm so excited uh, to work with you. I have one question that I got on Twitter from a fellow comedian, Casey Corbin, and mm-hmm. I don't know what it's about, um, but he asked, "Where is that? Oh, was it really your dick in Cooper's Christmas?" Uh, yes, yes. I didn't. You know what? I, I you did full frontal nudity. I didn't feel it was appropriate to borrow one. You didn't want a stunt cock. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> No. You wanted it to be the real day fully, yes. all of you. Yeah. yeah. So you and that's not the first time my cock's been on camera. Really? So, yeah. You do full frontal. You are committed to... And postal I did full frontal. Yeah. Hor- hor- very horrible movie. But I <laughs> full frontal of that, you know. I I think my cock, I like that it distracts from my belly. That's so... <laughs> so I, you know, I use every advantage I can at this point. 
you know, because so, <laughs> I have I have a nice cock, but not such a great belly. So. <laughs> well, at least you you know you have something there that people people to look at. Yeah, um, yeah. a little distracting. Yeah. You know, exciting. I'm going to yeah. have to watch Cooper's Christmas now. Yeah, it's a pretty brief glimpse. <laughs> you <laughs> get like, a lot of you get a lot of quality time with my ass, though. Oh, it's like... Cooper's Christmas. It's like wild things when you see Kevin Bacon's bacon. You see... When he uh, comes out of the shower and it's like a very split second, but you can see it. Yeah, it's, not, it's probably a little longer than that. Well, maybe not split, yeah. yeah. But it's... but it's uh, Yeah, but my ass is... In the camera, constantly. All, Did you do a lot of squats before you filmed that? No. It, this, uh-huh. So this is the real Dave Foley. Yeah. yeah. Right in your face, and yeah. if you have a large screen television. Because I was, yeah, I was playing a guy who who made home, <laughs> you know, made his own home porn in the '80s <laughs> on a VHS camcorder. That's awesome. So, so what do you have uh, coming up? You've got your stand-up. Do you have any? Anything um, coming up? I don't know. My cock doesn't have anything booked right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there might be a lucky lady in Edmonton. Yeah, well, yeah. Edmonton has lots of very lovely ladies well, who, are, I, who are just prove it, Edmonton. <laughs> prove it. <laughs> I have a giant jacuzzi tub in my room. <laughs> this is, but this is no good. This isn't live. This is, yeah, it's gonna film later. But yeah. I'll make sure I let the, the yeah. people know on stage tonight. Yeah, like, but yeah, jacuzzi the, party in jacuzzi, your room after huge, the show. It's there's room for three. In Shut it. up. There's room. It's, it's like a sort of a shamrock shape. Well, I think Dave Foley is going to have a threesome in Edmonton. I think that'd that's what nice. he's trying to say. That would be nice. That would be nice. You know what, Edmonton? It's about time you could be known for something good. Yeah. Not just the oil patch. And the oilers from the threesomes. 80s. <laughs> be known for threesomes. If you want a threesome, come to Edmonton. Yeah, that should be that would that would bring in tourist tourism. <laughs> now with twenty percent more brand to keep you regular from the bump. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. Hi, this is Scott Thompson. You're listening to Anything Goes on Sirius XM, the home of Dave Martin and the miraculous ginger beard and the invisible Darren Frost. At least your life isn't as sad as ours. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. Okay, we're back, and that was Dave Foley. That was Kathleen McGee interviewing Dave Foley in Edmonton, Alberta. Now, uh, keep in mind, there will be a 10-minute chunk that we will play later on yes. uh, in the next up and coming weeks about threesomes and uh, and their conversation about right. threesomes that uh, both Dave and uh, Kathleen have uh, what? Uh, opinions Kathleen on. Kathleen talked about threesomes? I know, about I know. What is that Shocking. all about? Oh, my goodness. And uh, joining us in the studio, if you're just uh, tuning in uh, to Anything Goes, is Allison Dore is here, a comedian who lives in Toronto, and we wanted to bring her in and talk about a few things that are going on in the news. But we were we we're talking about bath salts before the Dave Foley thing, and and Dave had a point he wanted to make about the bath salts because it's uh, it's very interesting to him. Well, uh, it's just interesting. It's just it's interesting to me, and what I was sort of thinking about was that. Uh, do you think if there was a drug that came out where you had a 50-50 chance of like, oh, you're either going to get super high or you're going to die? How popular? So like do- heroin? Or- yeah, well, like heroin. <laughs> well, yeah. So like, like a lot of drugs. So like or- a lot of drugs. So like heroin and cocaine. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you yeah. snore, if you snore pure coke, you're probably going to die. You're going to die. Yeah. And yeah. then heroin, you know, the first thing after you do that, you throw up. That's it takes a long. It's because it's such a shock to your yeah, system, yeah, yeah. and then eventually it's not so shock, and then you can start enjoying the ride and stuff. Right. But I mean. <laughs> 
That's that's it, right? Yeah, it's not this the proper. Is, way yeah. to I at really it. hope no one in recovery is listening to this. Yeah, but uh, what? Okay, I guess then my then my point sort of mute then moot then of if fifty percent of liver or liver gets super high, then probably how many people do you think would do that though? Oh, just, tons. Tons. Sure. Yeah. But they have nothing people, to live for. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people who are already addicts are right. looking for, like, it's called chasing the dragon because you never catch it. Yeah. Exactly. So they'd be like, maybe this will be the thing that brings me back there. Uh, and at that point, yeah, you don't give a shit. Yeah, I guess so. Like, I'll put that in my face. I don't care. Yeah, but the, but there's, there's certain drugs that I've done that I have absolutely no interest in. Like you did them once and I you never want to do them again. I did them once and I don't need to do them again. Yeah. Right. But some people can do that, but a lot of people yeah. can't. yeah. But then That's why certain, some people become addicts and some people yeah, don't. Yeah, and then there's certain drugs that you always want to give a second. I, or, I don't want or to. Or third chance. Or a second, third, fourth, eighth. In the same night. Twentieth, eightieth <laughs> chance. Well, that my, that's my same thing with strip clubs, too. It's like I leave every strip club going like, what yeah, the never fuck again. did I do that for? And then every time I'm. And then the like, boobies call you back in. Well, yeah, yeah they do. Yeah. Uh, what was, uh, oh, you know, I, I wanted to bring this up, too, because we had a whole bunch of shit we were talking about. Yeah. Um, and there's always someone posting something about that company, Mon- Monsanto. Yeah, yeah. That uh, who sounds like a you know a, a bull uh, you know a guy that a bullfighter yes. in Mexico, but it's the big corporation that owns a lot of uh, food companies, food companies and, and stuff food like processing that. plants. Okay. Yeah, and then there was a, there's a particular uh, commercial that's on TV right now that is all about uh, uh, how this guy dressed up as a butcher. He's uh, talking about this story about this woman that wanted to give her son hot dogs, or the son wanted hot dogs, and the woman didn't want to give her the son hot dogs because they had all these additives, preservatives, bad and things in the hot dogs. Yeah. And so this place was. Like, oh, yeah. well, we've made a, a great hot dog now that has all these uh, ingredients that you can pronounce. And my thing is, like, why don't you make that the hot dog you make all the time? First of all, you can cr- pronounce pig anus. It's not hard <laughs> to no, pronounce. I, that's true. Uh, no, it's the chemicals and stuff like that. But because, first of all, it's expensive. And yep. second of all, there's people like me who just don't give a shit. You don't give a shit about I don't what? care. About what nitrates uh, taste awesome. It's a hot dog, though. It's I mean, a, who's tastes... chasing the dragon for a healthy hot dog? I don't get it. Like, right, well. this whole nitrate free hot dog, you know what's going to happen if you're eating those healthy hot dogs your whole life? You'll extend your life by maybe eight seconds, just mm-hmm. long enough to go, I shouldn't have had that third fucking hot dog. I, I smoke like I care about a fucking hot dog, right? Yeah, but then now that, but I just think now that they're labeling like, oh, these are the hot dogs for rich people and these are the poor people hot dogs. Yeah, well, that's not the how they dogs. label them. I know that's not, but, but that's how they are doing but it. There's because... some people like, listen, I could probably afford to buy. The all natural hot dogs but or my, whatever they my are. Kids love shit dogs. But but maybe your kids do love shit yeah. dogs. I don't know your kids. <laughs> but if I look, I'm fucking cheap. Okay, so if I have a choice, and this is all you know, I'll spend two hundred dollars on a pair of shoes. But if I have a choice That's between right. a shit dog that is you know a dollar fifty a pack, and then all beef ones that are like five dollars a pack, right. I'm eating the shit dog. Really. Right? Yeah, yeah and because it's already delicious. Well, then see, so why don't they make and you know when they come out with like light brands and stuff and versions of that thing, mm-hmm. they'll, and they'll say like, hey, this has fifty percent less fat and sodium as our original brand. So mm-hmm. why don't they just take the original brand and put this has fifty percent more. Then because a choice, man. Don't take the choice I'm away from me. I'm still giving people choice. No, you're not. If you only make it the light brand, there mm-hmm. is no choice. And why don't the they light make the light the, the standard though? Because it doesn't taste the same. The healthier, it yeah, make it the healthier taste... one the standard, and then put the labels saying that this has fifty percent more fat on on your old ones. Why don't they do that? You're just justifying your own purchases now, Dave. Well, yeah. 
Yeah, I guess I, I don't. Do you work for Health Canada now? No, I don't, I don't understand what's happening. He's I'm like, a, he's he's already. Why don't they market everything different? Why don't um, they market things to me? Dave, Dave yeah. this is anything goes. Not the debaters. I don't know what the fuck you're. You're coming know, up with all know, these points, and and of course the the one white powder that I want to get off of is uh, fucking uh, um, what's the shit that they put the aspartame. That's the one, that's oh. the one thing mm-hmm. I want to cut out of my system. Sure, good luck. Well, yeah, with that. and yeah. that's the other thing is that when things have less fat, they generally have some sort of sugar substitute. So right. it's like. Is it better for you? And yeah. aspartame supposedly makes you crave carbs more, and it yeah. actually makes you gain weight yeah. in the long run than, than not. Mm-hmm. I love diet ginger ale, though. What well, I, say? Yeah. I love diet Coke, yeah. I but I think it's killing me. I like diet heroin. That's what I like. Mm-hmm. I like the fat-free heroin. It does That's keep what you I uh, nice and trim, though. It does. Yeah. It does. The one arm I shoot it into. Um, we did want to bring up uh, something that's happened in the last couple of weeks in the Toronto comedy scene. Uh, one thing is there was a national post for American Friends. That's one of our daily uh, national papers. They did an article on female comedy, and the title of it is, is Oh, the Humanities, Must Women Act Undesirable to Be Funny? Well, this goes across Canada, though, so it's not I said just... That. A, yeah. I said that. Across Canada. I said across well, you Canada. You said Toronto comedy scene. Okay, but... Okay, all right. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> the daily paper is across Canada, Dave. Okay. Uh, and it was covering predominantly the Toronto scene because most of the comics quoted in it are from Toronto. Uh, ones like Nikki Payne and, and Deborah Giovanni. The whole bulk of the article is that these comics use uh, traits in their act that kind of make fun of their appearance and act undesirable, according to the woman. Well, the article is actually about a paper written right. by a student, right? And, yes. and in this girl's paper, that is what she is putting forward. Right. Um, and, you know, the really annoying thing to me about it is that there is a kernel of truth in what she is saying. Right. But it is written in such a negative way that the first time I read it, I just lost my mind. Sure. And I think the actual part of it that has some relevance is completely lost in the way uh, Deb and Nikki are portrayed in this article, which is ridiculously negative. Right. And um, also, this chick that wrote the paper did not speak to a single female comedian. comic. Right. So she wrote an article about the motivation of women comedians. Right. Uh, that is talking alleged, to one. Yeah, and it's supposed right. to have scientific merit. Right. Like, that's ridiculous. Like, comedy is not something where you read books about it and then you go, oh, I understand how comedy works. Right. You know? well, well, first of all, the one the one problem is, uh, name me a comic that doesn't make jokes about being undesirable. There's very mm. few of them. That's number one. That's not a female-oriented joke. Tons of male comics act undesirable or make jokes about their appearance. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. Uh, number two, um, you know, uh, if you look at the, the landscape in Canada right now, uh, some of the top comics are female comics. I mean, yeah. Deborah and Nikki are two of the top comics. I don't Absolutely. know many bigger ones than them. And they didn't get there just humping microphones and making jokes about their appearance. They've been mm-hmm. around for a long time. Sure, some of the material is about that, but I, I do the same thing. I make fun of my appearance. You know, Dave, you've done jokes about your appearance. No, not all... many because I'm a pretty handsome guy. Well, yeah, no, I, no, I do it all the time, though. Yeah, I do it all the but time. It's... Half my act is about, uh, but also, like, that's the thing. And the point I made in my comment on the article was that, you know, a lot of the times we joke about what we know. And sure. am I a disgusting woman? No, but listen, <laughs> I'm a weirdo. Sure. I don't get laid a lot. I'm comfortable with that. It's my life. Right. I don't date a lot. And so, yeah, I make jokes about that. And are they self-deprecating? For sure. Do people still laugh? Yes. So does it friggin' matter? And my motivation is not, oh, my God, I better make people think I'm gross or else the men won't laugh. Like, right, that's never right. what I think about. I think about what makes me laugh about myself. Sure. And that's what I write jokes about. Like, right. why does it 
it should not. And there is issues with um, or I don't want to say issues, but there is something to how the audience uh, perceives uh, women well, in a sense. Of course, they do. Uh, you know, of course. but um, uh, and the number of people of both genders that come up to me after shows and say, oh, you know, I, I don't think women are funny, but you're really funny. Sure. Um, and it's I've like, seen that many times it, with Kathleen, women saying course. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it happens absolutely. all the time. Yes. And that's the other thing. It's not just men. No, no. And this article, like, I feel like there are some things that we try to make into women's issues that aren't. Right. Um, I.e., it's not, you look at the audience as a whole. I don't break it down into men and women. There's, And I am considered a pretty dirty comic. Right. And uh, a lot of the time, the women do not like me. And the men do. So sure. it's not necessarily a gender issue. The other thing is that, Comics who happen to have vaginas, generally when you've been in it for years, you are so tired of talking about the gender divide. Right. Who cares? Right. Pretend I don't have a gender if right. you have to. Right. But I, I don't want to talk about being a quote-unquote female comic. I want to talk about being a fucking comic. Well, you know, I, and we've talked about this before on the show, I hang out with mostly female comics and Dave. <laughs> And uh, so, so well, never, never, at, never at the same time. Never at the same time, right? Yeah, because they're tired of you trying, you know, hit on them. Oh, but uh, but generally, I don't look at them as female comics. I mean, there mm-hmm. are some. I'm not going to lie. I look at them as a female comic because a lot of their act is about being a female per se. So right. I can see that people doing that. But most of my friends that are comics are females, and I just think of them as comics. I don't mm-hmm. break it down by gender because their act isn't by gender. Now, if you're doing a character, that's a whole different ball that's game, a, yeah. you know. And I think that is also a little bit lost on this too when they were talking about the, some of the history of comedy and why they do it is you know now more than ever you don't have to be that oh I have to do this and I have to you can do whatever the fuck you want yeah I do you do do you find that most that you do not hear a lot of like the typical hacky female jokes as much as you used to about like oh I'm, my boyfriend broke up with me and I have my period and here's my purse and I hold this not... outside I have not, this is the interesting thing, and this just happened to me last weekend at Absolute in Ottawa, is a guy who did come up and was very complimentary and, you know, said he loved me and all this kind of stuff, um, and said he didn't usually find women funny. And, well, he actually said, I hate to say this, and I cut him off, and I said, but you don't usually find women funny, go on. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, oh, do you hear that a lot? And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, the thing is, you know, women, like, they always tell jokes about their period. I have not heard a woman tell a joke about her period since, like, 1983. Uh, Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's a stereotype that I almost don't know where it came from. And, um, sure, maybe it happened a long time ago, I guess. Yeah, yes. I don't, I rarely even hear, uh, the one exception I can think of is Becca Kohler does have a joke um, about PMS. Right. And off the top sort of makes a joke about her period that's not really, it's a misdirect. And it's also frigging hilarious and amazing. Sure. So it's worth it. But even then, I wouldn't, like, that's a one-off, like a one-liner thing that she does to get into something else. But do you ever see, like, a like a, whether it's a guy or a fe- uh, mm-hmm. or a girl comic on stage and they're and they're really... They're downplaying their looks almost to the point where you're sort of like, okay, come on, you're not that, like, you you can't go, you're going overboard on on downplaying your looks to the point where it's almost annoying. Well, I, see, I get, like, Becca actually talks to me about how she feels like I present myself as too much of a loser sometimes. Yeah, right. But also, that's not, uh, that's certainly not the way I write my jokes, but also, like, I have a negative self-image. What do you want? You know what I mean? My roommate Ryan and I talk about this, too, because he's a comic also, and he gets told, like, sometimes you act like you're disgusting and you're not. Right. Um, Which, I mean, I generally don't talk about my looks. I talk about being a fucking weirdo. Sure. Um, but, uh, 
I've never seen someone do it to the point where I was like, okay, Jesus Christ, calm down. Well, what about like, a, but, like a, someone who's on stage and they're just talking about being fat and they're not as fat as you think that they should be for doing those jokes? Oh, yeah, but I, I generally just assume that they think they're fatter than they are. Okay. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or like they've lost weight and haven't really realized. Or, <laughs> or they haven't written yeah. any new jokes. Yeah, yeah or yeah. they haven't yes. written any new jokes. Yes. You know what I mean? Like I never go, oh, you're pandering to the audience. I just think, oh, right, funnier stuff. Well, the one thing is, and we're almost out of time here, but what I find really sad is two years ago this started, or maybe even three years ago, with the, the Hitchens article in Vanity mm-hmm. Fair, and it just is something that doesn't really want to go away for some reason. And, I mean, we don't have a lot of time now, but why do you think that is? I can't, I don't understand it. I mean, I have this conversation with my female comic friends all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel, it's interesting because I feel like, in general, society does believe that women aren't funny. Right. And I think there is something often threatening about a funny woman, which is weird, uh, although I, I, I guess I sort of get it too. Um, and Hitchens, I mean, was saying, like, genetically speaking and in terms of propagating the species, women don't right. need to be funny. Right, right. Right, which is... Or men have the excuse of being the fool. Well, yeah. Well, he and he basically said men need to do it to attract women, um, which is I, I, like women do like funny guys. And when guys say sure. they like women with a sense of humor, they mean I want a woman who laughs at my jokes. Right, right. Um, so there is. Right. I mean, I think a lot of it, though, is just society in general. And uh, because there is a way you're viewed when you come on stage as a woman, you can hear the audience going, oh, what's this going to be about? Is this right. going to be good? Are we going to have to listen to Which this? you never get when a, a big fat guy gets on, no. on stage. Oh, God, is he going to do this? Um, is he going to... Oh, not another joke about donuts. And, right. Yeah, yeah and the, I mean, if this woman had written an article about how society in general views uh, gender in comedy, that would have been relevant and on point. Well, also, she would have had to have asked the women. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe see, consult one woman. I, see, I don't know why this woman didn't just stand up for If she's just reading this uh, research paper that says mm-hmm. that uh, women downplay their looks, then I don't know why that she didn't come to the defense of women and just say, and, and do like, I don't know if she's a journalist or an opinion-based, whatever the Yeah, she, is, she, she says, uh, I mean, a lot of people emailed her directly and she said this article contains none of her own opinions. Right. That she was just commenting on what this woman said said in her paper, um, which is interesting. Um, I mean, the article itself, she she also blamed time constraints and, and editors yes. for the fact that she couldn't say everything that she wanted to or say. Or called Deborah. Yeah. yeah or, I mean, the, the ridiculous <laughs> thing to me is that the girl that wrote the paper refers to as, her as Deb, like they talk all the time, yeah, and yet has never spoken to her in her life. Right. Now, like, it's... Yeah, it's, it's frustrating. Well, now, Darren, you, we are ongoing war with Glenn Sumi. We can't get to we're that. Not time. Just, okay. We're not time. Yeah. All right. Well, we just we still want to say when it comes to comics that we're even fat guys are still... It's, fat is still the socially acceptable thing to make fun of, isn't it? Uh, you can only make fun of fat if you are fat, and they and they embrace their fatness too. Yes. So, oh, yeah. totally. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. But, well, all right. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time. We will. You know what, Allison? You'll come back again. We'll talk more yay. about it. Unfortunately, we ran out of time because of the the day fully interview. But uh, thanks for listening this week. We have new episodes on iTunes that are going up as we speak. Right, the, Dave. Uh, the uh, Jason Agnew and Dave Mirage episode just came up, and we are going to putting out the interviews with Mark Forward and a classic with Mike Wilmot that will be uh, up on iTunes soon. Perfect. And uh, we. You can find Darren Frost uh, every week at uh, comedywhore.com and my Twitter is comedywhore. And, and you can you? find me at davemartinworld.com and my Twitter handle is davemartinworld. And, and where do Allison, we find Allison? Where do we find My you? Twitter handle is at Allison Door. My crappy website is allisondor.com. And, you know, I'm on the Facebook, all that good stuff. Just go. Google me for yes, God's sake. Google. Google, Google her. Don't Two even, L's. Don't even ask permission. Just Google Just her. Just Google her. Yeah. yeah. All, all right. Until right. next time. We'll be, we'll be back. Now.